And we're going to get into the Christmas story today. Now, this is interesting because if I can be real with you for a moment, as a pastor, for me, Christmas and Easter are actually like the hardest messages to prepare for. You're probably like, well, you try it, you know? I mean, so it, it is difficult because it's a story that we've all heard hundreds, maybe thousands of times. But, you know, when you go through this process of praying, you come to realize that it's like, God, your, your word is always fresh, it's always alive, and it, it is always bringing something in the moment when we seek you that we need for that given time. And such is the case today, this year, and in 2018. And really, the Christmas story, the Easter story, it's, it's the greatest story that's ever been told. It's the greatest event that's ever happened because it's like the pivotal point on a pendulum that all of history swings on. Everything before Christ anticipated is coming and everything after Christ is fulfilled and accomplished to bring him glory. It's all about him. It's always been about him and it'll always be about him. And if we don't know that, we'll definitely know that when we get to the other side and we're worshiping him and bringing him glory and all the angels are rejoicing for all of eternity. Amen. So what I want to do today is I want to take a little bit of a different approach in coming at you with this Christmas story. Now think about this for a second. If we can, let's try figuratively to sort of travel back in time and see this event unfolding from the eyes of multiple characters who are like star the starring cast in this story that God was the director of. Have you ever watched a movie where there's a lot of, there's one big event that's happening and there's all these different people that you're going to and kind of seeing their backdrop and their setting, but somehow along the line, there's like a common thread that they're all beginning to intersect on. It's like one big story that's all coming together. And I want to try to do that with us today, to go back, look at the Christmas story through the vantage point of several characters who played a part in watching this event unfold. So the first thing we need to do is we need to understand the gravity of the situation, the significance of this. You've got to realize if you're a person in Israel, if you're a Jew, for thousands of years, you've been hearing about this story. You've been hearing these prophecies through the ages of a Messiah, a king who will come, who will be a savior, and who will reign over the nation. So many people for ages have been born, lived, and died just anticipating this event, never actually seeing it unfold. So for those people in this story that are a part of this thing actually happening, this is a huge deal that's happening before their eyes. I mean, have you ever, maybe you've had a situation where like, you're you've been hearing about something big, it's coming, you, you're anticipating it. Maybe it's like a, a vacation of a lifetime that you want to take to a certain place. You, people have told you about it, you're, you're finally going to go and you're preparing and then the day finally comes for you to get on the plane. You're giddy, you're excited, you can't hardly contain yourself. Those of you like us that have kids, uh, you know, when you're getting ready to have your first child, people tell you that once you have kids, your whole life changes, and it's the greatest thing on earth that you can experience, and to a degree, you kind of get it, 
But it's true when they say you can't really understand until you become a parent. And then the whole world changes for you. And so we anticipated and waited for that day and looked forward to it. And when it finally came, it was like, okay, it's go time, baby. Game on, right? And we were thrilled and excited. And there's all this intensity in the moment. But it was finally there. So take those feelings that maybe we could all relate to and multiply it like by 50 million. And that might give us a little bit of an indication of what some of the people in this story and in this setting were experiencing. Like, oh my gosh, everything we've heard about is actually getting ready to happen. It's getting ready to happen in our lifetime and it's getting ready to go down right here in the area and in the town that we're in. This was significant. And so one of the first people that we can see in the story, obviously, is Mary. Now, Mary is, of course, the mother of Jesus. And the way that Mary's story begins in the Christmas backdrop is we know that the angel Gabriel comes to visit her supernaturally. Now, this is a big deal in itself that the angel comes and visits her and he speaks to her and says, blessed are you, Mary, uh, among women. He says, you're going to give birth to a, to a son He's going to be the Savior. You're going to call his name Jesus. And that name Jesus in Hebrew is the word Yeshua, which means Savior. So what Gabriel was saying to Mary is he's saying, you're going to give birth supernaturally by the Holy Spirit to the Messiah that for thousands of years people of your nation have been anticipating. You're going to be the mother and the time is now. It's come and he's going to save and redeem the world. And Mary, her response at first, she's a little thrown off, as any of us would be, right? Like, well, wait a minute. Like, uh, and, and she kind of gets, she works it out a little bit with Gabriel. And then she responds and says, you know, listen, I, 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 so be it, Lord. According to your word, let it be done. Behold, your maidservant sees, which means I see it. I get it. I accept it. There was a seedbed of faith that Mary had that was ripe for those seeds of what God was getting ready to do to take root and be birthed. Let us all recognize that, that when God's wanting to do a work in our lives, that as he comes to us, we need to be ripe and ready with faith. There needs to be an atmosphere and environment in our heart that can receive the supernatural kind of things that God wants to do, not be the limiting factor in the equation of the impossible that God wants to birth in us. Amen? So Mary, she rejoices. She's filled with this overwhelming excitement of what is getting ready to unfold, overwhelmed with joy, as she should be. And so we're going to go through some more characters, but what I want to do is I want to kind of connect a pattern. I want to connect some dots for you through these several characters that I believe is speaking a message today, folks, to us that we desperately need to hear in the times that we're living in right now. So Mary is our first. We go from Mary to Elizabeth. Now Elizabeth is the cousin of Mary, and we know that she's also pregnant with a child. That child is John the Baptist, the one that prophecy indicated would come and prepare the way of the Lord. So Mary, after she's conceived by the Holy Spirit, with Jesus, she travels to go visit Elizabeth, her cousin, who at this time is six months pregnant. Now, as she walks into the room and Mary starts talking, it says that the child in the womb actually leaped with joy, leaped 
with joy. So the child that's not even born yet is experiencing joy, overwhelming kind of joy that's causing him to leap in the womb in a way where his mother's like, holy cow, what just happened here, right? I mean, these ain't no Braxton Hicks contractions. This is the real deal going on now. She probably thought her water broke. I don't know. So anyway, so, she, so she, then Elizabeth turns to Mary and she says, who, who am I that the mother of my Lord would come and visit me? You see, there's something prophetic that's even happening in the atmosphere right now where Elizabeth is somehow given revelation, is given eyes to see that the Lord, the Savior, is in the womb of Mary and getting ready to be born. And, and she rejoices with overwhelming kind of joy just because she's honored to be in the presence of the child that's about to come and be birthed, the Savior of the world. We go from Elizabeth and John, and we see that there are these other characters in the story that are some shepherds. Now, they're in the fields over Bethlehem, and they're tending their sheep. The life of a shepherd was a pretty quiet life, certainly difficult, but yet quiet, and you know, you're in the wilderness and outback, so to speak. But then all of a sudden, at this time, it says that an angel appears and visits these shepherds comes to these shepherds and says, Behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, and it's joy that will come to all people. Now, I want to underline that phrase, and, and maybe you're starting to see the pattern of where we're going here, but the angel says that this is joy that's coming to the world, and it's joy that's going to come to all people. Not just those in the story, not just those there today, but to all people from here on out that will ever hear this story. And so these shepherds, they see this angel talking and the angel says, go to Bethlehem. There's a child that's going to be born. He's going to be in swaddling clothes and in a manger. Now, what's up with the swaddle, by the way? Like, have you ever tried to do that? When my kids, they love that swaddle, that nice tight, but I never could get it right. Like I wrap them up and I was like, I got it. And it's like jailbreak. I mean, they're just out in seconds, you know. Katie, on the other hand, I think she might have actually sewed them in there. I don't know, but they were nice and snug and tight. I don't know, the swaddle. So it was a thing then too. And so the, the shepherds come and they see the baby in the manger and, uh, and they be, it says whenever they returned, they retor- returned rejoicing and celebrating with great joy and making widely known to all who would hear them what had been done and all marveled at what they had to say. Let me ask you a question for just a second. When was the last time that you told the story of what Jesus has done for you in your life in a way that people marveled? Because frankly, folks, they should marvel at all of our stories because what Jesus has done for us is miraculous and supernatural. And if he has our heart, then we have a story to tell and it's one worth marveling over. But the reason why people marveled is because they were overcome with joy, joy that they could not contain. I wanna suggest to you this was genuine joy. This was pure joy. This was real joy. This was joy as the Bible would define it for us. That's what they were experiencing. Even the angel, when he came to the shepherds, it says that the, the, behind him that a whole multitude of heavenly hosts appeared and they were rejoicing, saying, Glory to God in the highest, peace and goodwill on earth toward men. 
So imagine that, you know, you're a shepherd and you see the angel and you're already just like blown away and then you look past the angel and there's this heavenly host of angels that is like this choir and orchestra that's just breaking out in praise, in worship, and in overwhelming kind of joy for what is getting ready to occur. And then we also see in this story a few characters that are what the Bible refers to as the wise men. We don't know exactly how many of them there were, but there were wise men that traveled from the east. They saw the star over Jerusalem. They go to Jerusalem. They say, where's the child, the king of the Jews, that's going to be born? And so Herod and the Pharisees consult, and they say, it's going to be in Bethlehem. And so these wise men, they follow the star, and it says that the star, let me remind you that this is supernatural because stars don't do this. It says that the star moved and then sat right over the top of where the child was. And that when they, when they came to where the child was and the star was over, them, over him, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. They fell, they worshiped him, and they gave gifts. Kids, do you know what kind of gifts that they gave? Pop quiz, see how well our children's teachers are doing. All right, what did they give? Just shout it out, Logan. What? Gold, very good. Myrrh. Myrrh. One more, anywhere? Frank, that was, all, who was that? Oh my gosh, that was X, was that NASA? All right, let's hear it for our kids' ministry teachers. They're doing a great job. Gold, frankincense, myrrh, and an Xbox were the gifts that they brought. <laughs> so you see with the wise, how the wise men respond. I think the, the picture that I'm trying to paint for you is that you have all these different people in the story from different vantage points, but they are all being provoked to a response that is the same or very similar, which there are basically like these overwhelming outbursts of joy, of worship, and of praise that are coming out of them simply because they have stepped into the genuine presence of the king. They have come face to face with Jesus, and they are exploding with joy. They can't contain it. It's as real as any joy that we've ever known could be experienced. And this, folks is the kind of joy that we are to experience and we should live from this place of joy every single day because what this story started hasn't stopped. Amen. That joy that Jesus brought to the earth, that has come to the earth, is being spread, is available to all who will hear the good news and receive the saving grace of Jesus Christ. I'll give you one last person as we start to wrap this up. And a lot of people were familiar with the characters that I just described. But there's one other person in the backdrop of this that a lot of times gets overlooked. It's a guy named Simeon. Now, Simeon, it says he was a just and devout man, and he worked in the temple. And so after Jesus was born, Mary and Joseph, the tradition was they had him circumcised. And then after all the time had passed, they would take him to the temple. It says they would present him to the Lord, which is to dedicate him, this child, his life to the Lord, set him apart. This is a part of Jewish custom. And so Mary and Joseph bring Jesus, the child, into the temple. Simeon, had, it was an older man in years, 
And he had been spoken to by the Holy Spirit at some point in his life before this, who knows when. And the Holy Spirit said that you will not see death until you see the Christ. So Simeon is just kind of waiting, I suppose, for this event to happen. Well, when Mary and Joseph bring Jesus in, as all these other characters we've just talked about were overcome with joy, Simeon explodes with joy as well. And he says, Thank you, Lord, for now I can depart in peace. Get this. For my eyes have seen your salvation. Hallelujah. I mean, folks, you get this, right? When we come face to face with Jesus, when people come face to face with the real thing, the real king, our real Jesus, a loving, saving God, it provokes, it explodes a, a, a place of joy in us that begins to burst forth like a geyser spilling and spreading out into all of the atmosphere and the people around us. So let me ask you this question today. And I want to ask you this honestly. Because I don't think we're at a point in time where we can afford to really mess around with these things anymore. We're going to have to really explore truth and get to the heart of the matter. And I want to ask you this question. As believers, as the body of Christ, the influencers, the ones that should be swaying the world, not being swayed. Let me ask you this. Are you living each day in a way where you are exploding with the joy of the Lord and it's spilling out into the atmosphere of your life everywhere you go? You see, we are called, we are required to carry that and to spread that. That's part of our mandate. And praise God, we've been given the source of joy. We're not the source, it's just in us. And it flows abundantly, I might add. And if we will live from that place, folks, we will change the atmosphere of all of the conditions around us. But you know, we see this picture in our world where what experts tell us is that we are now becoming the most depressed society in the entire world. Clinically speaking, it's true. When you look at the cases of depression, anxiety that are being diagnosed on an annual basis, folks, it's scary when you see what that graph looks like on, the, on how it's growing every single year. There's a record number of seven and eight-year-olds in schools that are now being diagnosed clinically with depression and being medicated. It's rampant in our society. I mean, at the same time, <laughs> materially speaking, we are the wealthiest nation in the world. Abundance, wealth, prosperity, it abounds here in the United States. Yet they say we are becoming the most depressed society in the world. How do we reconcile these things? Surely, we can't attribute joy we can't attribute happiness to material things, to possessions, to having all the things in life that we sometimes are told is important. That can't be the source of joy or we wouldn't see what we're seeing happen in our world right now where the pe people are being depressed at record levels. 
And we're being told to, to rack up all these accomplishments and all these things by, by the world, but it's like we're building a house of cards, and it's just falling more and more every single day for people in their lives. And I'll tell you what I believe that the whole point of this is. According to the word of God, if we look for the truth there, we'll find the answer. The source of joy doesn't lie in this fallen, broken world. It doesn't lie in the things out there externally, extemporaneously that we might search for or gather. We can use those things, but it's not the source of where our joy is ever going to come from. If we try to attach ourselves to that, we will find ourselves on the track that we exactly find ourselves on right now. And that's because more people are trying to attach their joy and find their joy in all these things that are never going to satisfy them. The joy that we need, that our soul craves and desires. Folks, believers and unbelievers alike. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes that we are created by our creator with eternity in our heart. There is a longing for every human being to taste and to know joy that only comes from one place. When that need is met, when that appetite is satiated, we step into the real thing, baby, and we know it for what it is. When we don't, we will try to fill it and meet that need with everything else around, and it will always come up short, and eventually the pursuit of thing after thing after thing that fails us will leave us downtrodden, depressed, and hopeless. There's one source of hope. There's one place that true joy comes from. All of these folks, all these characters in our story 2,000 years ago, they didn't have much. They didn't have a lot. But yet somehow we see a picture of explosive joy that frankly began to create a ripple effect that changed the course of history that created a hotbed for the New Testament church to be birthed in. And the message of the gospel spread throughout all the world and it's still spreading today. Are we playing our part? Are, are you living from a place of joy? Because it's how we're called to live. It's part of what was bought for you. It's part of the price that that precious blood paid for you to have and to walk in every, sing, every single day. What a tragedy not to know it and walk in it because of the price that was paid for you to have it. It's available to us all. And when they stepped into the presence of the king and got face to face with Jesus, explosive joy invaded their life. It, it changed everything. They were never the same again. And, and praise God that we live in an era of time where the Holy Spirit has already been poured out, has already come to earth and is living in the hearts of sons and daughters of Christ in a way where we can step into the presence of the King any time we choose. We can meet with Him. We can spend time with Him. We can walk closely with Him. We can live a life of intimacy where we could say often, frequently, regularly, I've been with the King. I've been face to face with Jesus today. And I don't care what's really happening around me because there's this joy bubbling up and inside of me that just simply can't be stopped. We need to know that life, folks. Amen? Amen. I want to do this. I want to pray over us today as a family, as a congregation, because I believe that it's something that we need to be raising our kids in. 
You know, even these young children, it blows my mind that, that young children uh, could be experiencing things like depression and anxiety and all this. And, and you see these little kids, and we see them even in our kids' ministry, where when they really get a hold of Jesus, when they really start to build a relationship with Jesus and talk to him and pray to him and hear him and walk with him, I'm telling you right now, I've seen the joy I'm talking about coming out of the younger people of our generation. Praise God for that. There's a mandate for us to raise them up. We need to raise our families in this. We need to walk in this. We need to exemplify this to a hopeless, dying, depressed, downtrodden world who is crying, is begging for an answer that will satisfy their soul. And folks, we have it. We have that solution. Amen? Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, right now, God, Holy Spirit, I ask you to move powerfully in this place. We, we've, we've, we've worshiped God, we've spoke the word, we've examined truth, and now, God, I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, to do what only you can do. Seal this message in our heart, Lord. Bring revelation to each and every single person here today. God, may there be a geyser, uh, like a wellspring of joy in life that just begins to bubble up in people right now in Jesus' name, and that they carry this out with them into the world and into the places that we're called to walk and live among a lost and hurting generation. We need you, God. Thank you for the, the beautiful joy that your presence brings. Help us and teach us to, to know, God, draw us into that place, that quiet time with you that we can say, regularly and often and frequently I've been with the king I've been face to face with the king I've spent time with him and as a result I'm just overflowing with the joy of the Lord and it is my strength in Jesus name amen amen I want to encourage you folks listen if you're here today maybe you're visiting maybe somehow you found your way in here somebody invited you but look if you've never given your life to Christ if you've never made a decision to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, I want to encourage you. I want to plead with you now. It's a free gift of grace. You can't earn it. It's, it's paid for by the blood of Jesus. He loves you. He loved you so much that he sent his son to die for you, and he wants to have a relationship with you. Open your heart to him now. Turn from a life that you've known and turn toward him and allow the joy of the Lord to enter your heart and to, for God to make you into the person that he's created you to be. He has a plan, he has a purpose, and he has a destiny for your life. And it is greater, far better than anything you could possibly orchestrate or design on your own. He is the master builder and he wants to lead the way for you. And the Holy Spirit will guide you every step of that path. Amen.